Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara. I can't spell, say my name. <laughs> Please forgive me. I'll explain in a moment. Um, <laughs> this is episode 215, and I am so excited because this beautiful soul that you are seeing on the screen with me is Erin Reese. Hello, Erin. Hello. Hi, Erliana. I am so excited. All right. So guys, you got to understand for six months, Erin and I have been talking. And first of all, props to Andrea Michelle, the magnificent, beautiful, my star soul sister. She introduced me to another star soul sister. And this is Erin. Erin um, is here. We're going to be talking today about um, the sag season but way more than that because sag is all about you know truth and higher wisdom and occult wisdom and spiritual philosophy and the higher path our god consciousness and so i thought no better person erin has written three amazing books the third one is just coming out now and, and we're going to be talking just in the beginning touching base about sag season but we're going to launch into a rabbit hole this is such a deep rabbit hole. I don't know if you noticed, but my eyes are red because I was like, as soon as I got on the Zoom call with her, I started crying. So this is a really deep, profound mystery. I don't know where it's going to lead, but I, I know in my heart that I have to do more than one episode. So this is at least two episodes. And um, and so, um, but I just, there's nobody better I could think of to to lead us through Sag season. Erin's not a Sag, but she's got a big old stellium Sag. So she's very qualified. And the fact that she has spent so many years in India, but I'm going to let her tell you all about that. Uh, what an incredible, an American in India, years of outrageous cosmic and mystical adventures and these are her memoirs. So we're going to, we're going to be uh, sharing about that. As a matter of fact, I might as well, Erin, just pull up the screen and your first one being, um, a bindi girl um this is hopefully you can see that on the screen the adventures of bindi girl diving deep into the heart of india this is an ebook and hardcover on amazon and that came out oh what, about 10 years ago was it 2012 um yeah the 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 stories were written between 2002 to about 2007 and it came out in 2012 yeah okay so it's 10 years old. She's 10 years old. She's 10 so years 10 old. <laughs> and then the second book that, then the second book to come out was Truth Seeker. Yes, that came right. out in 2021. Finished that right. during the pandemic. Yes. During the pandemic. And so that's, this is the, can you see that on the screen? The truth, the. Um, um, it looks a little cut off. Oh, wait, but, sorry. <laughs> um, oh, there we are. Okay. So there, yeah. yeah, a spiritual adventure of love, loss, and liberation. Um, and it's just, uh, incredible. Aaron, you're such a great writer. I love the way you write. Um, so this is the second book. And then the third book is, um, just is about to come out, right? Bindi Girl mm -hmm. 2, part two. Um, so I know many of us most probably, maybe almost everyone I think on this podcast has seen, um, Eat, Pray, Love. I honestly, I think you, your books are like Eat, Pray, Love on steroids. <laughs> 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 it's pretty that's funny i actually but, did have somebody write that it was like eat pray love with teeth 
with teeth right yeah i saw that and i'm like yeah i, I think yeah it was what i borrowed from from that wise person because they're they're right yeah. i loved eat pray love i every, i thought it was amazing and okay. as much as i love that i think these books are there's just nothing like these so let's just get right into it let's start with sad season uh i know we've got um we've got an amazing sad season here can you just you know tell us about the, <clears throat> the new moon coming in sag do you want me to pull sure. up the screen for that or? Sure. Yeah. I think that's always fun for folks. Um, the main thing, you know, we all know for most of us that are interested in astrology, that some of the main themes of Sagittarius that kind of go into this theme of why we're talking also about these books, which is long distance travel, exotic travel, adventure, risk, and also spiritual seeking, you know, the ninth house. Um and what I see with regard to this new moon is that fabulous stellium. It's a wide stellium, but I see the sun, the moon, Mercury, and Venus just so happy, to, happy together. Right. <laughs> you know, like we need the joy and the light right now. We need it. After, if we think about it, we had two years in a row, two holiday seasons in a row in, in North America and many places around the world where it was during the pandemic and it was difficult for folks to see each other. There was always, there was a lot of fear. There was a lot of what's going on in the world. It was, it was pretty morbid. <laughs> and I feel like this year is bringing in a lot of grace mm. and fun. And we're bringing some of the hearty, har, har, you know, Sagittarius energy, very jovial. And, and I know you, Want, have something to say also about Jupiter stationing a few hours after the new moon. Would yes. you like to say something about yeah, yeah. that? That's really important here. Yeah, I noticed that um, it's interesting because Jupiter is at its it's at 28 degrees of Pisces and it's stationary direct point. So it's slowed down, it's slowed down and it's it's ready to go boink, right? And it's literally five minutes after the new moon, Jupiter goes direct. It's been retrograde for like mm, five months and it was and so to me it feels like the horse it's like the horse in those you know the horse races where all the horses line up in those metal stalls before the bell rings and they're all like ready to go so the Jupiter we've been looking at our truth what is our what is our truth these last what is our highest truth of who we are and it's been in that retrograde and now it's like boom ready to like in Jupiter style and Sag style the arrow the quivering arrow of the archer it's like Arr! and then five minutes after the new moon pew, it's like takes off so it feels like you everything you said a, a joy and hope Right. And, and, you know, another word for Jupiter, I believe is Jove. That's right. that joviality Jovial. and that generosity of spirit that's coming in real generosity. And, and obviously most everyone here, I'm sure knows that Jupiter is the current ruler is the, is the ruler of Sag. So it's double, double power here. Um, the, the other thing that really stands out for me in this new moon is the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction is still quite active and it's in an out of sign trine to this new moon. It's almost in Aries, you know, that would have been the trine in fire, but the Jupiter-Neptune conjunction right now for me is bringing a grace portal. I feel it. I've been feeling it ever since we all kind of licked our wounds after that Sagittarius, after the um, eclipse. 
<laughs> the, right? the eclipse a couple yeah. weeks ago, you know, it was everybody was like, oh gosh, if I only want to get into Sag, like right. just give me some relief, you know? Right. And and so get me out of this underworld. <laughs> totally. Yeah, exactly. So we're coming out a little bit and putting our twinkly lights up after, you know, Thanksgiving and lighting our candles and saying our prayers or doing our practices, whatever makes us feel good. And I feel that um, there is a lot available on offer for us. And if we can kind of keep it on the bright side as we go into this holiday season, we can have some real healing with our family members and our, our extended family members here. And, and many, many miracles can come in right mm. now. That's and of I course, know. Jupiter being the domicile ruler of Sag season and the new moon, it's it's that. And also with, um, I'm looking at that square, Mars is, you know, it's it's a pretty, it's still a tight square with Neptune, the Mars-Neptune square, which kind of perfected over the weekend. But, you know, that's still resonating as we head into Thanksgiving. And the fact that Mars and Gemini, it's about like, hey, you know, look at things in a different way. When you say about healing and compassion and forgiveness, it's like, yeah, look at, look at things especially with our, you know, Gemini rules siblings. And here we're going to gather around the Thanksgiving table. And it's like, there's this opportunity for healing. And I just feel emotional just saying it, you know, it's like huge. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. And Venus and, Nept and the, the ruler of that, you know, he's in G Gemini's temple, Mercury's temple. So Mercury conjunct Venus in Sag. So, you know, getting together with loved ones and, and speaking one's truth and the highest truth you know yes, like how beautiful is that I mean thank god you know because that was a, <laughs> that's a right. rough equipment. and I'm sure we're all gonna overdo it right we're all gonna <laughs> eat yeah, a little yes. much, <laughs> a little much drink your water and your apple cider vinegar or whatever it is because that's so much sad energy coming in here Right. And also like food and Venus rules food and sweets. So it's like an indulging. Okay, guys, you know, we look, yes, we're probably going to indulge in sweets. But I love the fact that um, on Monday, the next Monday, the 28th, like there's a trine Jupiter. I mean, sorry, uh, Mars will be in a trine with it's already coming into one, but in a trine with Saturn. So it's like, okay, well, let's keep the good times going, but let's also be wise and, you know, maybe, maybe have some, you know, raw green juicing here to <laughs> we just yeah right titrated <laughs> exactly well you know another thing that i find interesting is um again we're all just so relieved like the phoenix coming from the ashes after those eclipse cycles i mean we still have some more taurus scorpio eclipses but that was a that was a doozy right yeah. that was a doozy and i feel yeah. like you know as we're kind of thinking about coming into the next calendar year of 2023 and this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction, we're also preparing the ground for Saturn's entry into Pisces next year. This is the dissolving. This is the dissolvingness into spirit. And that also kind of segues into talking about being in India on a spiritual quest. Oh, yeah. But some folks are sort of like, what is Saturn and Pisces going to be about? But the opportunity is truly wow. here to, to relax into spirit. And that also reminds me about the Sabian or Sabian symbol for this new moon, which is at two degrees. Sagittarius, which is an um do you want me to pull that uh, up? 
Oh, sure, if you like. Um, th but I can also just say that the ocean, it's the ocean covered in white tops. Or as Dane Bridger says, white capped waves display the power of wind over sea. But in general, if we imagine the Sabian symbol of the ocean covered in white tops, we can be reminded, there, perfect. I actually had that as well. <laughs> Same thing, that's yeah. beautiful, exactly. The mobilization of unconscious energies under the pressure of super personal motives, this constant interplay of we are ocean, everything is ocean, all is ocean. And one of the many themes in, in my books, and especially in Truth Seeker, is truly understanding that the ego is a drop of that ocean. The ego is ocean as well. It just mm -hmm. forgets mm -hmm. and it believes that it is separate. Ah, I love that. Oh, I'm going to remember that. Yeah. That's beautiful. The Very ego simple. is part of the ocean. It is. It's all part of that. Everything ocean. is ocean. Everything is ocean. Everything is ocean. I'm going to make t-shirts, everybody. Everything is ocean for Saturn and Pisces. This is the t-shirt. Everything All is, is consciousness, ocean. right? And oh so why God. not get, you know, we can go off on a tangent on this, but I'm a fan of Saturn. I'm a fan of Saturn. He shows us in our chart where the work is. And if we show up for Saturn, I learned from my early mentors that Saturn always leaves a gift. So yes. we look to Saturn. What is Saturn asking for us in duality, in the play of the Maya of the world? And so mm -hmm. if we kind of get on board with Saturn mm -hmm. ahead of time, it's going to be a whole lot easier. Yeah. It's going to be a whole lot easier to understand that form is ocean. And, and right? like, so we might as well do it now. Yeah. Like you're saying, like Saturn, if you get on, what's coming to me now is saying you get on board with Saturn and Saturn will get on board with you. Yeah. And it's funny. That's, ex and what you just said about it will give you a reward. My, one of my first astrology teachers at um, Andrew, he always told me, he said, Saturn rewards effort. So he had me like put it on a big piece of paper and write it and tape it to the wall, if, you know, going through a Saturn transit. Saturn rewards effort. <laughs> so that's right. Yeah. That's why when it's so lovely for budding astrologers, a very, very simple transit to work with. And I know we're getting off on a tangent, but it's just so exciting. Is that um it's so easy to look at where Saturn is transiting in a chart and the house. And there you go. Person needs to know what they need to be focusing on. There you go. Yeah, for the next Start two there. and a half years. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. By the way, and it's okay that we're on tangents because that's Sag. It's the archer that has the arrows are going in so many directions. We can have fun with yes. it. But um, yes, I think I just want to say one more thing about the 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 new moon. I mean, sorry, the full moon coming on. Um, just to briefly mention, that should be an interesting little spicy meatball. Um, I I also pulled that one up. So let me uh. That, oh, that I love spicy have, meatballs. You like spice, right? Hey, you were in India. Of course you like spice. <laughs> oh, silly. Hello. Um, anyway, no. So let me grab. Uh, here it is. Here's the 
the um, full moon in Gemini. Exactly. Spartile conjunction with Mars. Woo! That's that's mm. spicy people. Now, but again, mm. a wonderful opportunity here. Talk about passionately speaking your truth or passionately keeping your mind open and not getting into word wars with people, but to to be passionate about and uh, stand up courageously um, for, for one's own truth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what comes to me. That's definitely a theme that we're seeing across the board with this long transit of Mars in Gemini, which I think a lot of people were feeling like it would be super uber buzzy. And okay, it is buzzy. There is a lot going on. It's a wonderful time for folks to put their words out or their podcast or whatever it is. But it's also, as we've been seeing with these all of these huge metamorphoses that have been going on with the last few years, people have been called to ground in and speak and write their truth in new ways. And exactly what you're saying, the courage, the, the courage for me comes from the Sag. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bold. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New, mm -hmm. new, new places to, you know, to conquer. We're really conquering ourselves, but yeah, that, so this new moon, I mean, sorry, full moon, that should be interesting. And, um, you know, Uranus and the North Node are still, you know, pretty, pretty close conjunction there. So there's still a lot of discovery um, with relating and relationships and into when you think about Venus being domicile ruler of that, you know, relate in the divine feminine and the goddess and you know how that's coming into play as well but um yeah so anyway just you know that's about maybe all i want to and i'll i'll you know you guys i can get more we can do a little more of that as i do i'll do december astrology and i'll get more granular with it but i just want to kind of introduce you to aaron and so we get these wheels moving. I, I just want to, I have a hundred questions to ask you, Erin. I've read excerpts of your book. Uh, absolutely fascinated. Um, my goodness. Uh, so you were raised, you, your mom was, I was going to say a cool mom. You were raised by this like cool hippie mom. You had like sadhus like coming, dropping in on you in Northern California and having these idyllic childhood, which unfortunately so many kids don't have now. You had this great childhood. Then you became, you were in the corporate world in San Francisco, like, you know, fade to black. And then you're like, oh my God, like this isn't it. And then you like sell everything and go to India. We should make a movie about this. I want to know, like, how is it that what made you go there and, and you, you felt driven, you did that, and then you just had this, what is it, how did you decide that you're going to go to India? Just, uh, just start there. Okay, sure. Well, just to back up just a little bit, I love that you saw my childhood as idyllic. It actually was far from idyllic. What was idyllic was the, the mind of the child and the Sagittarius pluck the Sag Stellium pluck that I had to create beauty or joy out of nothing because we actually were very poor and there were, there weren't many opportunities. And some of those stories might actually come, they will come into Bindi Girl too, about, you know, the mind of a child if in, in, in the magical child um, can make, can make lemonade out of lemons. So yeah. Um, I was exposed to a lot of alternative thinking, astrology, you know, vegetarianism, yoga, all of that early on, all living off the grid. 
but it was definitely very hard. But I'm grateful that I had that pluck, that that energy to turn it into something beautiful and to be influenced in a positive way by especially music and all of that rock and roll and sort of living free, free life and in a life in nature. So those things went in very, very deep. But after college and careers and business and so forth and an early marriage and an early divorce, um, I moved to San Francisco and I had nothing. I had two suitcases and my pluck again. And I um, I did have a, an ability for sales, but I never made more than minimum wage really, or $12 an hour or something like that. And so I, uh, I just had a lot of fire. So I put all of my energy into what was um, recruiting, human resources recruiting at the time, but I was a headhunter. I just, somebody said, oh, you might be good at this. And I tried it. And it I actually, it worked because I had nothing to lose. And that's one of the themes of life and of my books and of real freedom is that when you have nothing to lose, you have everything to gain. When you're not, a, the whole point of the spiritual search, if one is sincere to the core, is there needs to be a willingness to lose everything, everything, everything. So yes, I put all of my third, you know, 29 year old, 30 year old self into building a career and I was very, very successful, but I also had a lot of spiritual and um, a spiritual awareness and a lot of psychological work that I had to do to heal from my not so great childhood. So I, I had, was deeply existentially suffering uh, on the outside, super successful, very confident and on the inside, tremendous unhappiness. And it was a type of unhappiness that I'm sure many viewers and listeners can relate to where it doesn't matter what's happening in the outside world or how much money is in the bank account or even about the relationship. There's a deep, deep loneliness of the soul and a knowing that no matter how glitzy and fun the life is, something deep is missing. Mm. So I had quit the job. Um, I also just, I needed to be more free. Um, the, and there was a, a dip in the market at the time with the dot-com era. And I had the choice of either riding the wave and muscling my way through this sort of mini recession that was going on around 2001. But I decided that I had saved enough money at the time and I knew that I needed to go to a place where I wouldn't necessarily have to come back to a bunch of things. So I gave up my apartment and my possessions, but that was just the first round of doing it. You know, the second round was a one-way ticket. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah. I had done a lot of yoga and meditation, Vipassana especially. So that was my grounding of, of being over there the first time was meditation retreats and and practicing but what I found was in that first trip um and which was six months solo uh that it, it would only scratch the surface mm. wow yeah I mean that, that's I, just I, yeah. I, I, I was not ready to come back yeah I I've heard that from people I know who have 
been to India, studied there, lived there for a while. And um, I can imagine, I can't even imagine, in a way I can't imagine the crash because of how they live. And uh, I, I, one of my friends, um, she had lived there for two years and she taught English to Yogi Bhajan's grandchildren. And so um, she was an English teacher, but she said that she could hardly sleep at night because the vibe of India, the because, you know, thousands and thousands of years of prayers, people praying and monks. And she said the energy in, it, it was like palpable, like from the earth. And it was such a high vibe of prayer that she didn't even sleep. She said she didn't have to sleep for more than like five hours a night because it was such, and like, we don't have that in this country. We have, we all have the potential, but there is that richness. And I'll just say this really quickly. Mm -hmm. I remember somebody said, Yogananda had said to um, to somebody about when he lived in the United States and founded SRF that, you know, we have this um, society where India and the United States have an interesting kind of mirroring to each other because the the um, United States, well, the India is so rich in their, in her spiritual wealth, but, but the poverty, the material poverty is so big. And he said, it's the other way around in our country. We're so wealthy, but we have been so spiritually poor. And I just remembered that, but. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. That, that was something that um, being a meditator at the time, what I found was that the only way to truly survive uh and not feel totally panicked or afraid when you're and and when you're backpacking and living like a vagabond through india and living traveling like a local living like a local uh not comfortable but the the the, the chaos of india is so intense the crowds the sensations everything is happening all at once that the only way to get through it is to be in a constant meditation so mm -hmm. the the whole life pushes one into present time mm. absolutely that's the only way to get through there is up we we my experience and understanding of of the universe is ultimately we have no greater control at all right but in india it's obvious and so india becomes herself the teacher india mm. is the teacher herself and that's in your face that that the chaos and the lepers in the street and the the rickshaw drivers and the and the all out there and the smog of the you know the vehicles that have no pollution control and you know it's just coming at you from every and then the sadhus and the nagababas walking naked right. through the streets covered in ash it's like right. oh my god like yeah it's like Nothing wow. is hidden. This is the other part of it being a teacher is that some people, of course, are horrified by the poverty and it is horrible. Uh, and yet at the same time, what we see in India is that things like the disgust and the, and the poverty and um, the lack are all on display. Like you said, nothing is hidden. There's no veneer in that regard. And the begging, and the like, the begging. you know, I I, I want to give to everybody, which I'm sure lots of people have. You've probably heard, and like, do you do you get inured after a while? Like you you, when you say it's always in your face, but mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. with no limbs. There was that chapter in your book where you you mm -hmm. were on the train, and this man with no arms just comes up in his pot. He had pockets in his shirt, freshly, mm -hmm. you know, press a fresh pressed shirt with these pockets, and he would like lean in and like, can you give me mm -hmm. some money? 
but like how do you ever you, you you don't get over that you know it's like how did you deal with all that with the begging I'm just curious I, I have a yeah. thousand questions to ask you but sure, <laughs> please sure. now we can get this much done there's so much there with the begging I mean one of the things in the teachings of India the spiritual teachings and take what you like and leave the rest is that Folks, some folks believe that the beggars come in, that that's a really high incarnation to come in as a beggar, because what it does is it allows another person to actually give and experience mm. the pleasure or not the pleasure, but the relief of giving. So it's, they're actually doing a high, high, this is again, on a spiritual level, one, yeah. one aspect of it. Mm. Um, the other thing is, is that you do have to, as, as a woman traveling alone for so many years, which was five years total in all, you do have to build a certain protection up, not just about the beggars, but also about the attention that's coming in. Mm. Because many times you're seen as a walking wallet with, with relatively, you do have more money than most. So there's a lot of attention coming at you that can be overwhelming. So one has to make their choices when they start engaging with the environment. And, and, and also being a woman, a young, beautiful mm -hmm. woman who is exactly. white and like there's all that's that. Right. And like, how do you deal with that? The, the, the sexual aspect of how they may perceive, you know, an Indian man, oh, yeah. different culture. How did you navigate all that? There's a lot there. In fact, I have one of the, uh, my new book that's coming out in early 2023 has a section about staying healthy and traveling well in India. I even have like a little couple recipes in there. And oh, things great. About Betty pot and Ayurveda and fun things like that. But I also have chapters about um, cultural uh, immersion and for women, like how to be aware as a woman, how one is carrying themselves in India. So some of the things like just being aware of how one dresses, not um, to feel like you're having to wear a uniform, but obviously what is considered to be uh, respectful as a woman right. and covering your shoulders or you know, not wearing tight little yoga clothes, you know, if you're running around in Rishikesh or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I often, I often found that um, dressing traditionally, and I didn't wear a sari, but I wore a salwar kameez or a Punjabi outfit with the long top tunic. And that, yeah. that's all, that feels very good. You, you feel comfortable. You don't feel like you're, you're, you know, standing out, standing out and, and you, you feel like you're respecting the culture. Yeah. And I also found that when I really needed privacy uh, energetically, because I'm a highly, highly, highly sensitive person, um, covering my head is is very helpful. So wearing a shawl, um, protecting and also, the crown chakra. Mm -hmm. There's so chakra. many things about daily self care when you're doing that kind of living like a wandering renunciate in a way. Self care meaning making the choice of when to make eye contact with people. Now coming from the United States, it's a very friendly thing to look at everybody and give a big smile. But that what that does is if some days it's great if you feel like you have enough energy for it. But other days you're invoking a contact when you're looking at someone in the eyeballs, you're you're looking and you're exchanging soul information. So mm -hmm. there would be times where I would just keep my energy very contained. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. For example. Yeah. So that's one example of how how I would take care of myself. And as far as the beggars go, um, as at first I I lived in India so long that I I actually uh, didn't have a lot of money. But when I started to feel making a little bit more money, travel writing and things, um, 
and astrology and tarot, I, I would start to just give little 10 rupee bills or, or five rupee bills as much as I could whenever I had change. Um, and then there were other times where it was just too overstimulating and I couldn't, couldn't do it. Mm. No, couldn't do it. Yeah. You could I also gave it when I could, when I had enough energy and enough change, I would. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah. So like it's this whole concept of India being like consciousness and like our engagement with it is, is how we engage with life. And there are times when, and it's fine that you couldn't do it all the time. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I guess it was just probably the, I would think it would be the biggest mirror of your mirror of your life was going there. And like the yes. lessons you've learned and the, oh my God, the eps, you're such a good writer. And I felt like I was, I, I feel when I read your books and I'm right there, it's like I'm in India. And um, which by the way, I've always felt a real soul pull and especially reading your book. I really want to go, you know? Um, yeah. But, that's when I first flew into India, I had that message sort of downloaded from me myself, which was India will show me the places in my heart that are not yet purified. Mm. Wow. That Whether you like it or not, and like it or not. I think are pure really aren't pure. Or yeah. And by pure, I mean, authentic. I mean, true. I don't mean lily white, you know, because we are, we have our darkness and our lightness, all of us. Um, there is one other last aspect that I wanted to mention about being in India as a foreigner or in other exotic countries, but let's take India as the primary example. When we're when we're living in our own native country, say the United States, we are not as aware of a superego glaze over the culture. This is this is the the fishbowl that we live in, and it's like a, a map. It's like a grid that we follow, and it takes a, quite a bit of spiritual awareness and meditation to be able to see through that veneer, and that's worthy worthy efforting. Um, and so when we when we're in a place like India, the super ego of the culture is so drastically 180 hmm. that we're able to see the Maya, we're able to see the illusion and the play of mm. humanity like a theater, mm. obviously, because it doesn't match our normal grid. And this is an excellent lesson because we still we have the same play of the Maya, of the illusion, of the impermanence here, here where we live now. It's the same play, type of play, but we aren't able to see it as well because we're we're entrained into the super ego of the culture. Mm. So that's another thing. The shock can be a great teacher in that regard. And of course, then let's not forget the incredible beauty of India the incredible beauty of the culture and the the the, the uh, textures, the spices, the colors. Mm. I mean, when you ask what, why India, you know, I was always drawn to the music, Ravi Shankar and Jai Uttal and yes, before Krishna Das, you know, things like this. And I had always read Baba Ram Das, Be Here Now. So mm. I was I was well primed, and I loved the spices and the colors. Yes, it's just it has to be again, coming back to Sagittarius energy, the most exotic, the most ninth house, you know, let's go far and let's not just go far, but let's go for a very, very long time and be one right. of those adventurers. Where you immerse yourself. Happens. Yes. That's yeah. total immersion. And then you exactly. come out a whole new, a whole new person. Wow.
Well, I know we just today on this broadcast, we've just scratched the surface, but at least we got an intro going here. And I definitely, let's do another, um, in the second part of our episode, I want to get deep into. So guys, come back to the next episode with this two and five, two and six, <laughs> and come back to, uh, you know, we're going to go even deeper with this. And like this, I want to, what I'm hearing is to talk about that and the next podcast, the long, dark night of the soul. And like what, what those raw realizations and that where you were just ripped away. I'm sure there were times when it was not easy and it was like ripped away from your heart broken and the, the Maya and everything just, you know, that long dark night of the soul and what precipitated it and how you got through it. Cause I know there's a lot of that for us having come out of, like you said earlier, two, three years of this pandemic, you know, and it's like, there's been a long dark night of the soul for so many of us and what truths we can garner that will assist us. And even if we don't go to India personally, we i i get so much out of reading your books it's uh it's a huge uh, service you've done we're so grateful that you wrote these books i hope you keep writing because they're really awesome um so, so anyway much. yeah yeah i just want to mm -hmm. yeah thank you and i can't wait to get to this next episode because i know we're gonna we're gonna dive even deeper so uh, all yeah, right, so guys, that's this is it for today. With our, you know, you have you have your introduction. We are we have gotten onto the car, like the the roller coaster, and we put the bar down, and now we're gonna go. We're on the train. Yeah, we're on the train, right? The Darjeeling right. Express. We're, we yes, oh, great and, I love it. <laughs> right, drop your baggage and just drop the past and just be here now. Ah! Right. All right, Enjoy the ride. So, yes. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. Anyway, all right, that, that's all for now. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you so much, everyone. Jai Ma, Jai Ma. Namaste. Jai Ma. Erin Reese, Erliana Samsara, Star Sound Astrology, Star Sound Speaks. Thank you all for listening. Bye for now.